This ESPN Chicago podcast is brought to you by Cover 5, the free-to-play sports game. This week, Cover 5 is giving you a shot at $50,000. How? Download the Cover 5 app or go to Cover5.com. Pick five games against the spread. And in week five, if you make the perfect five picks, you win $50,000. Cover5.com. White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Welcome to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Got you for the next two hours. It is our final two-hour episode of White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Here's the drill. A little bit of a different situation this offseason than in offseasons prior. So we're going to let you know kind of what the plan is for the upcoming months all the way up until spring training. Uh, But first and foremost, here's the idea for the show today. I, I realize that the 81 and 81 finish to the 2022 White Sox season was anything but where White Sox fans, where White Sox players, where White Sox coaches, where White Sox front office members, heck, where White Sox broadcasters expected this team to finish. I'm just speaking for one of them. I won't speak for all of them. Uh, but where, where they expected this team to finish uh, and that we expected to be doing an offseason version of White Sox Weekly here on October 8th. This was very much not the plan. That aside, we have planned a show for you today. I mean, it's like we came in here blind. Uh, we've got a plan. And I I think over the next couple of weeks, over this show and next week's show and a couple of them afterward, I think there's a little bit of maybe even a lot of looking back before we look forward. Now, we're going to do some of both, I think, over the next few weeks. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly in the offseason. Same as it is during the regular season. Same as it is for the postgame show. You want to give us a ring. You want to talk a little White Sox. Feel free. Because this show, like I've said for a while since I started, this show's yours as much as it is mine. We're down here in the State Street Studios. Beautiful view out here. So if you're walking by, you know, it's marathon weekend. So there's plenty of people walking around. I took the blue line down here like I usually do during the regular season when the White Sox are on the road. We got that. And I, I hopped onto the train and I thought, my goodness, the city's alive and awake again. And then I remembered, oh, it's marathon weekend. That's why everybody on the train, that's why everybody walking around is really fit, wearing a bunch of uh, spandex and running shorts and Lululemon stuff. I mean, it is you walk around. I love Marathon Weekend. I've, I've called a marathon in the past. It's a black. I could never run one. My knees would explode about five steps into the race. But Marathon Weekend to me is always a reminder when you walk around town that you are not in good enough shape. Because it's always either right after the baseball season has ended, like, you know, now, or just as the playoffs have started. And me, you know, my, my work is kind of winding down one way or the other. You know, it's, if the White Sox are headed to the playoffs, it's not an everyday situation. So you start to think about, okay, how do you get your life back together, Connor? What is it that you have to, maybe you start running, maybe you go into the gym. And then you walk around Marathon Weekend and you're like, my goodness, I don't have a chance. These people are going to run 26 and a third, what is it, 26.2? 
26.2 You can see the bumper stickers when... It's, it's un- Oh, and that's that's another favorite of mine. Let me, how, tell me you ran a marathon without telling me you ran a marathon. Just slap a bumper sticker on there that says 26.2. And I've always wondered, you know, driving... You see the bumpers, you go, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. But I don't need to know that you ran the marathon on your bumper sticker. I don't need to know that you've been to Wall Drug. Uh, I don't need to know that you closed Wolskis. We've all closed Wolskis, all right? We've all been back there. It's a ton of fun. I don't know. Okay, maybe I'm going a little hard on the bumper sticker. Way too far afield here to start White Sox Weekly. Way too far. Giving you the phone number, 312-332-3776. That's the number. Here's the plan for the show. We, Eric Ostrowski, executive producer of White Sox Baseball, uh, Charlie Bevins, Nick Muxaller, producers today. Hello, boys. Good to see you. Uh, we have uh, gathered... Uh, the best we can, like squirrels preparing for winter, all of the sound from the last couple of days of the White Sox regular season. Stuff from Jose Abreu, stuff from Rick Hahn, stuff from Tony La Russa, stuff from Liam Hendricks, stuff from Tim Anderson, a whole lot of sound that we've got for you here. And I want to step through some of the comments that got made as the White Sox season came to a close. I want to step through some of the... Um, summations that were made some of the um some of the allegations i guess that were even made shoot when you listen to liam Hendricks and some of the things that he said uh not only was he saying that you know this team was missing a few things he said he himself missed some and from my point of view if you're going to point the finger you got to point the thumb and liam did that uh in his own very specific way we'll get to that down the road a little bit but there are a couple of questions i think before we get to some of that sound that are out there for you and we'll take some phone calls about them if you like obviously we're going to talk about you know who will be the next manager of the 2023 White Sox uh we'll talk about Jose Abreu and his season coming to an end perhaps his White Sox career coming to a close it was it was an odd last couple of days for Jose Abreu and the White Sox that's for sure um and I know a lot of people have uh, looked at the last few in in with differing lenses with with a different perspective I think for everybody so here are some questions that I'd like you to answer over the next two hours of White Sox Weekly. Give us a ring. Let me know what you think. And I'm going to give you my own answers to these. We're going to give you, uh, in some circumstances, Rick Hahn's answer to some of these questions. We're going to give you Jose Abreu's answer, Liam's answer to some of these questions through some of the sound that we've gathered. That was kind of the plan here. Who should be the next White Sox manager? It's a simple question. But I think it's a very difficult one to answer. Obviously, at this point, some candidates are going to be working in playoff games right now. Uh, Tampa and Cleveland are scoreless in the 10th. And my goodness, there is, sorry, there's a runner on second base. And for just a brief moment, I, I forgot that the extra runner's not out there just because in the playoffs, there's a runner on base by merit. Uh, on second base by merit for the Rays. So that it, I freaked out for a moment. I've reined it back in. We're all okay right now. But anyway, some of those candidates could be managing. Matt Quattaro is uh, a hot managerial candidate, has been for a little while. He's the Rays bench coach. We'll step some of th- some, through some of those answers. Will Jose Abreu come back? Do you want him to come back? And does the best 2023 version of the White Sox have Jose Abreu on it? Those are three questions that we're going to try and get answers to today. And I don't know if any one of those three necessarily is the same answer. I think each one of those questions, will he come back? Do you want him back? And does the best version of next year's team have Jose Abreu on it? I think those could all be different questions or have different answers or be completely untied to one another. So that's where we're going to start today. 
But as always, you know, like I've mentioned, this show's yours more than it is anyone else's. 312-332-3776. That's the number. So we'll start with some phone calls before we get to some sound. Some answers for what happened in the 2023 White Sox season. So we go out to the phone lines, and the first caller of this offseason is Amy on the west side. Amy, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up? Thanks for calling. Hey. Hi. For me, the most annoying thing about the White Sox was the bad field. The bad what? Amy, you cut up just a little bit there. We missed it. Can we, Nick, can we put Amy on hold Let's, for a sec, see if we can clean up the, uh, the phone line? I know you guys have the scrubbers uh, and the squeegees there, the phone line squeegees. See if we can clean up Amy a little bit, get a better connection for her. She called. She's yeah, the first couple of minutes of White Sox Weekly. Amy, let's talk. And then the phone's cutting in and out. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. I, I think, you know, a couple of things to set the table as we wait to reestablish connection and then get into playing some sound here. Um, I, I think the question of who is the next White Sox manager, got answered a little bit by Rick Hahn, got answered a little bit by the hiring of Tony La Russa, the, uh, how Tony La Russa is stepping aside with his health issues, and also with the way this White Sox team played. I, I think all three of those things begin to set the table for who that next White Sox manager is. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. We got Amy back. Amy's on the west side. Amy's on White Sox Weekly. What's Amy up, Amy? I think we can hear you a little better now. Thank you. Hey, listen, I'm just hoping that um, we can get better fielding next year. Sure. And I think uh, Tim Anderson and Andrew Vaughn, let's move them along, get some good field. We have a great shortstop now. And I don't want to lose Jose Abreu. I know it might sound old-fashioned, but I think we would be a better team. Our pitchers would be helped if we had right. We had actual outfielders. Sure. Get some outfielders. Hey, Amy, and that's my hope. Amy, who's the shortstop the White Sox have that you you do like? Elvis, if you're Elvis Andrews. Oh well, so technically, Amy, he is a free agent. He is not oh. property of the White Sox, and I, I hate that oh. phrase. I'm not sure why I used it, but he'll be a free agent. Just uh, just as a heads up, so you'd really like them to re-sign Elvis Andrews? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Amy, appreciate the phone call. Thanks. So, I think within that. And within some of the things that Amy was talking about is a pretty fundamental reshaping of the White Sox from 22 to 23. When we're talking about, and I've, I've certainly talked about it a lot on White Sox Weekly during the season. Um, I know a lot of other publications, other places, other, uh, other radio shows have too. Outfield defense, I think, me, Connor, just me talking here. I think it's more crucial now in this day and age of baseball than, than maybe ever before. And ever before is a bit hyperbolic, right? We've been playing this game for 120 years. There's no way I've boiled down each era and tell you which one's better than the other or which one's different. But I think when you got a pitching staff that throws as many fly balls and strikeouts as the White Sox do when they're on, um, I think when you've got a league that is looking to kind of lift and separate or at least hit line drives as often as this league is, outfield defense becomes real key. And it doesn't always show up in plays that clank off gloves, but it does show up in range that outfielders do or do not have. And I think, you know, if you can't get to something, you can't catch it. And the ability, the preparation, the work that both Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets put into playing in the outfield corners over the last two years deserves a ton of praise. It just, it does. But they're not, they're, they just, Sheets has turned into a decent outfielder. 
Rick Hahn actually talked about it in his end-of-season press conference. He's turned okay. And Andrew Vaughn did not take the steps defensively that Sheets did in this year. It was a struggle for him. I don't think that that's necessarily on Andrew Vaughn. I don't think that's on uh, Gavin Sheets. I think they worked their butts off to be the outfielders, best outfielders that they could. But at some point, you can't turn yourself into Kevin Kiermeyer. You know what I mean? You're not making yourself into Julio Rodriguez defensively. I think that's a big area that the White Sox may look to shore up this coming offseason. You know, I've, I've been um, lucky enough to be on a, a lot of the shows during the week uh, doing hits and talking about White Sox baseball and, and just, yeah, Connor, what do they need? What do Lefty pop and patience are the big things for me offensively. Defensively, it's corner outfield defense. And hopefully, whether it's by free agency or by trade, there's a couple of additions, whether it be you know a lefty that's got pop and patience, maybe a little better defensively, too, in the outfield. Shoot, you could solve two of those problems or all of those problems with one player. Obviously, it's going to cost you because if you got a lefty out there on the free agent market or that's available via trade with a lot of pop, a lot of patience, and is a pretty good defensive outfielder, well, that fellow's going to cost quite a bit. And that's okay. Those are the kind of players you need. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. Um, I've got a lot of sound I want to play for you, but we've got a couple of phone calls coming in as well. So back out to the lines we go. And in Arlington Heights, it's Eric. Eric, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, man? Yeah, so me personally, I'm just having a hard time understanding why Ozzie Guillen isn't like considered to be a top candidate for the coach. I mean, if you look at this team, they just played, I don't know, um, you know, without energy, I don't know what a better word for that would be. But, you know, Ozzy has proven to put energy into a team. So I was just curious what your thoughts are. And so I get better saying of why he's not like a top guy. Yeah, Eric, I, I think Ozzy, it's been a while since Ozzy's managed, first and foremost, right? Right. Ozzy, when he left the White Sox, did not do so cleanly, right? Mm-hmm. Ozzy has himself kind of taken himself out of the running as White Sox manager. You know, if you watch Chuck and Ozzy's show, I think it was on either the last night of the season or maybe the night before, he kind of said, yeah, I'd be great at this job, but this isn't going to be my job. You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but I think when you add all of those things up, plus look at what, what I think is a team that could really benefit by someone who's completely foreign to the White Sox family. Some somebody from the outside, capable of bringing in fresh ideas and a new perspective, then I I think that's what leads so many, myself included, to say that you know Ozzy's probably not going to be the manager of the White Sox again. It'd be nice. It'd be fun. No I, listen, that. I I love Ozzy Guillen to death. I mean, he's fantastic. He's so much fun. I see him downstairs. I you know walking around in the in the. The, the, the concourse or whatnot, it's like, oh, man, here comes Ozzy. This is going to be a blast. He is hilarious. Uh, and fun would be had by almost all. Uh, maybe not Boone Logan, but I don't think Ozzy's got to worry about Boone Logan on this roster. I, it, I just I don't think that's next. I think it's a different direction. That said, Eric, appreciate the phone call, my man. That said, if you look at the odds, if you go to different spots, Ozzy Guillen is your favorite for White Sox manager in 2023. I think, though, that says a lot more about who's betting on who's going to be the next White Sox manager than it does on who's deciding who will be the next White Sox manager. 
Off to a good start. A couple of good phone calls to begin. A few questions out here for you on White Sox Weekly, our first of the offseason. Who should be the next White Sox manager? And then kind of a three-pack for you. They're connected questions for sure, but I think they all may have different answers for you specifically. Uh, Will Abreu come back? Will Jose Abreu return? He's a free agent. Do you want him back? I think that answer for, I mean, what, 99, 199.5% of White Sox fans is, well, hell yeah, bring me back some Jose Abreu. Uh, And then the other question, the third one that's tied in is, do you think that the 2023, the best version of the 2023 White Sox, has Jose Abreu on the roster? I wonder at all three of those things, we're going to try our best to answer them throughout the show. We hear a lot of sound when we come back. Rick Hahn, Tony La Russa, Jose Abreu. Liam Hendricks, Tim Anderson, they all spoke toward the end of the season. We're going to revisit some of what they said about the 2022 White Sox and about what they said, as best we can, about the 2023 Chicago White Sox. I'm Connor McKnight. You're listening to White Sox Weekly. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. What is up? It's White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You're listening to the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly on from 2 until 4 this Saturday. So if you're walking this way, see what I did there? If you're walking this way past the uh, downtown ESPN State Street Chicago Studios, uh, say hi. Give us a wave. William. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? If you're driving, don't wave. Otherwise, the people in front of you or behind you are going to be like, oh, what is this guy up to? What's this clown? What's this joker doing? I don't want to deal with this. Uh, Don't wave in traffic. It's often uh, more trouble than it is worth. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. White Sox Weekly is on all year round. And I just found out, I asked Charlie and Nick during the break, hey, are we on Twitch? They were like, yes, you're on Twitch. Stop doing that thing you're doing. Because I didn't realize I was on camera. So hello, how are you? Uh, I got a haircut yesterday. It's, I've, I've tried to start cleaning myself and you covered up it up with a hat. I do, well, you know how it goes. You, you get the haircut and then... So I walked home from the haircut, wore, the, wore a, a, what you, a t-shirt and a hoodie. And then immediately all of the hairs from the haircut begin to slice into your neck for during the entire so that's awful so that t-shirt and hoodie went so i threw this post, one on post haircut wool sweater vibe feeling yeah it was really bad it was really bad that's nick the other guy's charlie and so i threw that on this morning right i threw the same t-shirt hoodie co- i'm not too proud to admit that it's the off season fellas all right i'm just just trying to get by like everybody else so i threw the same combo on and it was very stabby around the neck and collarbone area so then it, it turned into a whole thing and i didn't i didn't do my hair i didn't put the product in you got a product for the hair these days. Otherwise, it's like, uh, what are you doing? What is this, 2005? You're not in college anymore, Connor. Please shower. But that's just me projecting. Uh, anyway, what were we What were we talking about? Right, White Sox Weekly. So we're on from 2 until 4 on Saturday. And then, so this is our last two-hour version of the show. We're on Twitch. Hi, how are you? Follow us, ESPN 1000 Chicago. We're on Twitch over there. Trying to interact with the Twitchers. We don't get to Twitch during the regular season. I do get to Twitch during the off-season. So we're very twitchy. Uh, we're watching the playoff game together, the Cleveland and Blue Jays game, Cleveland-Toronto game. So we're doing that. You can follow us on Twitch. And we're talking White Sox, of course. Uh, next Saturday, we go back to one-hour shows. We'll still be at 2 o'clock. It's a time change for us. You know, last year we were on from 9 until 10 in the morning. And now we're going to be on 2 until 3 in the afternoon. So it's a, it's a big difference. We're still drinking as much coffee as we can possibly imbibe. So that's 
That's a through line on White Sox Weekly. I told you that we had um, gathered a lot of audio from the end of the season and wanted to walk through quite a bit of it with you because I think there's a good deal of looking back before we look forward to get done. I want to start with the manager. Tony LaRussa stepped away from the managerial job due to health reasons, as you all know. It was August 31st, and Miguel Cairo took over that game on very short notice. Miguel had a good season with the White Sox, his first in a month plus of, of managing a ball club, and obviously wants to return to do it. He has said as much. And Rick Hahn did say, you know, of all the candidates he didn't mention, uh, which you don't because a lot of guys are under contract, you don't want to tip hands or whatever, he did, he was very clear in telling White Sox fans that Miguel Cairo has absolutely earned an interview for the White Sox managerial job. Whether he gets that job or not, I, I, I couldn't say, uh, but he will absolutely be interviewed. And that's a great thing. I think Miguel did some very good things with this ball club in the last month of the season. We saw the run they went on to get them back to an over 500, leading up to that three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians on a Tuesday in September uh, before they lost eight in a row starting with those three against the Guardians, and all of those essentially knocked them out of, not essentially, they did, knocked them out of AL Central contention and certainly out of wild card contention as well. Speaking of those Guardians, it's uh, top of the 11th and still scoreless between them and the Rays. Cleveland won the first game. So what I want to begin with is is Tony. I want to hear from Tony one more time here on White Sox Weekly. I, I hope we get to talk to Tony uh, again at some point later on down the line, um, maybe towards this winter, maybe towards a, a fan gathering or whatever it is. I, I hope you know we. I, I, I have a chance to talk to Tony once more. We we talked a few times during the season when I was filling in for Len on the manager show, and of course, you know, just as one does when you're at the ballpark and you know, kind of uh, talking baseball. But this cut here begins with some of the. Final statements, the uh, part written and part extemporaneous written set, uh, statement that Tony gave at the end of the season, a press conference that was called so that Tony LaRussa could announce that he was stepping aside from the managerial duties of the White Sox and would not be returning in 2023. His health precludes him from being able to do that. The good news is Tony seems you know, in good spirits and, and in decent enough health, all things considered, on the rebound from whatever it is that he's dealing with. Remember, it was a pacemaker issue. Well, Tony will tell you, here he is, Tony LaRussa. It's become obvious that the length of the treatment and recovery process for the second issue makes it impossible to be the manager. The timing of this announcement enables the front office to include filling the manager position with their off-season priorities. Our team's record this season is a final reality. It's always about what your record is. And people will look at it and say, well, you know, you did this, that was good, or no, you should have done it. But it's, we are our record. And it's an unacceptable disappointment. There are some pluses, no doubt, but too many minuses. And these are lessons that, were, that I was taught early on that have saved me over the years. In the major leagues, you either do or you don't. Explanations come across as excuses. Respect and trust demand accountability. And I've lived faithfully with that during my managerial career. I understand the ultimate responsibility for each minus this season belongs to the manager. That's accurate. Because always something else you could do. I was hired to provide positive difference-making leadership and support. My record this year is proof I did not do my job. That's former White Sox manager Tony La Russa. You can hear the disappointment in his voice. I think it was twofold. 
One about having to step away. I mean, he said as much. One about having to step away from a job he considers not done. Um, the other, not doing the job that he wanted to do. I understand that Tony has been a polemic figure here for the White Sox over the last two years, that the circumstances, you know, around his hiring, the story around it, the reporting around it, the, um, you know, I mean, listen, I, I covered the guy. I, I was here watching this team. I understand what went into and has now, you know, come out of the Tony La Russa era. But make no mistake, his players liked him. He was he is a well-respected baseball figure and no one wanted to win more than Tony La Russa wanted to win while helming the 2021 and 2022 White Sox. I know that to be true. I can report that as fact. So as the White Sox move on from a job not finished and a job that Tony La Russa, by his own admission, failed to get done, what is next for this team? We'll hear some of those answers from White Sox manager Rick Hahn, and we'll hear a different take on that answer from White Sox closer Liam Hendricks when we come back as well. 312-332-3776. That's the number. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. I am Connor McKnight, and this is White Sox Weekly. Welcome in. Thanks for hanging out. We got you for a two-hour show this afternoon in case you're just popping in. I think we're probably toward the end of a lot of college football games and, you know, hopefully toward the end of this Rays-Guardians thing. Still scoreless, bottom 11. Uh, That game is still going on. We're going to join the Mariners game in progress when we're done here this afternoon. We're going up until 4 o'clock. Mariners-Blue Jays. M's won the first one. I would be, you know, we'll we'll probably talk about it later on in the show, maybe in the 3 o'clock hour, um, kind of what teams we're rooting for in the playoffs. The White Sox are not in it, having finished 81-81, and of course, and that's going to be the bulk of our offseason, talking about what it is uh, the White Sox need to do to get back in the playoffs next year. But between myself and Charlie Bevins and Nick Moxala, we'll talk a little playoff baseball with you before we get out of here because it's fun and we'd like to. But for the most part today, I've got some questions out there for you and some sound that we want to walk through here this afternoon. Some end-of-season stuff, some looking-back-before-we-look-forward kind of conversation uh, that we're always doing here on White Sox Weekly. Oh, before I go any further, though, a huge gigantic Aloy Jimenez-sized congratulations to Steve Stone for being one of the 10 finalists for the Ford C. Frick Award. They've changed kind of the format of this award, and I think Steve has been kind of a a proponent of changing this, making it instead of one every three years, one every year for the Ford C. Frick. It is the Hall of Fame's award to broadcasters for a career in excellence. There are some, you know, things that you got to, you know, it's, it's not like the players where you got to be five years removed from a career and then you can go right in. It's different. You got to be in the job for, I think it's 10 seasons. It has to be consecutive. So if anything gets broken up, it resets the 10 year clock. If you have a year off, you know, this pandemic affected a lot of people. Um, Stoney, though, has, has been in the business and doing this for a very long time. And I know he wouldn't mind me saying it because he said it himself, but the guy is legend. He is absolutely legend. That's the part I'm saying. He's, he knows he's been around for a while. I don't think he'd toot his own horn that much to be legend, but I, I got a chance to work with Steve. Uh, three different days in the 2021 season on the TV side. I was filling in for Jason, uh, and getting to work with Steve was an absolute dream. I mean, it really was. I, like so many of us here in this town, grew up learning baseball from Steve Stone on television as much as I learned baseball from Little League coaches or dad or whatever. I mean, if you grew up around this area watching either 
you know, the White Sox or the Cubs, because that's where, you know, Stoney got his start on broadcast TV. Of course, well, you, you learned baseball from Steve Stone. You did. So for Steve to be a finalist, only one other analyst, you know, because it's the play-by-play guy and then there's the analyst. Only one other analyst has won a Ford C. Frick Award. Steve would be the second should he win. There are, I mean, the list of can't, we won't go through them all here. Uh, maybe we'll do that in a different show. Maybe we'll even get Steve Stone on White Sox Weekly to talk about it a little bit. I, it is, it is a, a, a very talented field of, of 10 play-by-play guys. Um, Pat Hughes of the Cubs radio broadcast, the play-by-play man for the Cubs, is also on this list. Another guy I know f- well enough. I've, I've met him. I've uh, talked with him about baseball. And he has, they are a, a talented group of 10 but for Steve to be a finalist for the Ford C. Frick is absolutely awesome. White Sox fans should be very, very proud of the broadcast team they have, both on television and on radio. Jason and Steve are fantastic. You know what I think about Len and DJ. Uh, you're, you're a blessed crowd, this White Sox fan base, to have those four guys calling your baseball and teaching you uh, about the game. Anyway. What we've been talking about here at the beginning of White Sox Weekly is just kind of um, who's going to be next as White Sox manager in 2023. That is kind of the biggest and, and admittedly most unanswerable question at this point. I think there are some names you can probably rule out. I want to go through what some of the sports books have out there for next White Sox manager. A, because I think it's kind of fun. And B, I think it kind of is informative on who wants whom and who might not want the others and what names you might have heard of and what names you might not. Uh, just kind of a royal you, uh, the betting public. But I wanted to hear from some of the particulars first, right? Some of the guys who talked a lot toward the end of the season about what's coming next for the White Sox in 2023. We just heard kind of the statement from Tony La Russa as he was walking away from the team due to health reasons. Rick Hahn spoke after Tony did on the Monday before the season ended and walked through some of the things that he wanted us to know, White Sox fans to know, everybody to know about Tony La Russa's time and What's going to happen next in that managerial position? So one thing that I and I was down there in the um, in the room for the press conference as as Tony was speaking, and the gathered reporters, every White Sox beat reporter was there, every TV station in town had their sports reporters out there. You know, Layla Rahimi was out there, and Chris Bowden was out there, and Chuck was in there. I mean, every, everybody you see on television that uh, you know does sports was out there for the big moment as well. So as Tony got started. It, you could hear a noise in the back of the auditorium, and there were doors opening. And I, I kind of thought, well, this is this is odd. I mean, everybody should be in here. We all knew this was coming. This is who who would be coming in. And as as you turned around, it wasn't more reporters. It wasn't other White Sox staff. It wasn't anybody coming in to clean the room. Didn't know what could be used. It was every single member of this White Sox roster, all twenty eight, filed in, took seats. And was there as Tony La Russa delivered his end-of-season statement and took questions. Um, that wasn't planned. That wasn't expected. And as it was reported afterward, and as Rakan is just about to talk about, that was something the players decided on their own to do. So here's Rakan with a little bit more detail on what happened there just as Tony La Russa was beginning to say goodbye. The organization obviously owes him a debt of gratitude for 
the time he spent trying to advance us to our ultimate goals over the last couple of years, and it's obviously disappointing for all of us that this is how it's ended. I think it's important. I don't know who asked about it. I think it might have been Vinny. I think it's really important, especially given some of the tenor and, and expectations about how his tenure was going to go that were presented up front at the start, at the time of his hiring. So everybody in this room knows he had a private meeting with all the players at 345 before he came down here today. Then we wandered down here to start his press conference and the players independently all showed up here to line the back of this room to show support for him. Uh, I think that was a surprise to, to Tony as well as everyone else with the club and just goes to speak to the level of admiration that his guys had for him. And uh, it's probably the, the ultimate compliment that players can show their manager. So that's Rick Hahn. And listen, I mean, he, he doesn't miss words there, right? I mean, the message is pretty clear. Everybody, I mean, lots of people, said that the challenge that Tony LaRusso would have when he began his job as White Sox manager would be, as a 70-something-year-old, connecting to players 40, even 50 years younger, maybe more, a lot of them more. And his tenure ends by his own admission, by Tony's own admission, yes, with failure, with not getting that job done, but with each and every one of those players filing into the back of the, the auditorium and, and being there, like actually, like literally being there for their manager. Now, I'm, I'm with Rick on that. I don't think that should go unnoticed. I think it's worth pointing out. I think also what did and did not happen during the managerial run of Tony LaRusso as White Sox manager in 21 and 22 informs a lot, or at least could inform a lot, about what's happening next in the managerial spot. And it's been pointed out a couple of different places, and I think it's worth pointing out, right? I think it's a sports thing. I don't think it's just a baseball thing. I think this exists in football. Um, I think it exists in hockey, in basketball. It's not the only force that guides hiring your next manager or next head coach. But it is absolutely one of them. Often you'll see when, let's use the Bears for example, right? Lovey Smith is your head coach. And then next, after they let go or fire Lovey Smith, after the guy was going to the playoffs, you hire someone who is very different than Lovey. Look at the White Sox own history. Uh, from Jerry Manuel to Ozzie Guillen, from Ozzie Guillen to Robin Ventura, from Robin Ventura to Rick Renteria, from Rick Renteria to Tony LaRussa. I mean, these are very different personalities, almost on, on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of, you know, how, how a guy, a player's manager to a disciplinarian, a guy who is focused on development to getting the, a guy who's focused on getting the best out of veteran players and holding guys accountable, right? I mean, I think often you see that pendulum swing back and forth in the large scope of, of hiring that next manager, that next head coach in sports. Like I said, I don't think it's the only thing that drives who that next guy is, but I do think it's a factor. So to that end, Rick answered some questions on the type of manager they'll be searching for. I think ideally, in the end, the, the right candidate is someone who has recent experience in the dugout. Uh, with an organization that has contended for championships. Ideally, it's someone who uh, is an excellent communicator, is someone who uh, understands the way the game has grown and evolved in the last 
decade or so, but at the same time, obviously, uh, respect for uh, old school sensibilities is going to be important as well. One thing that perhaps breaks from the mold of at least the last few hires, having a history with the White Sox, having some sort of connection to White Sox DNA is by no means uh, a requirement. I will say one exception to that is that Miguel Cairo, uh, based on how he has performed in his, in his acting manager, uh, absolutely is deserving of an interview and will receive one. Uh, however, outside of Miguel, having that history with the White Sox is not necessarily a characteristic that was, we're looking for at this time. So that's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. Kind of going through the checklist, the punch list, of what may be next for White Sox manager in 2023. And I, there's two follow-ups that I'd like to ask Rick next time I get a chance to talk to him, if I've not talked to him before this next manager is hired. And I don't think I will. I don't think Rick is doing press until that next manager is hired. I'd love to know which old, because he mentioned there's a mix of understanding, you know, kind of the sabermetrics, the, 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 the way baseball is played in 2021, 2022, 2022 that, that kind of idea, that cutting edge kind of philosophy, right? But he also said understanding old school sensibilities. I'd love to know which old school sensibilities are the right ones, right? I mean, because you could file under old school sensibilities throwing at guys after someone's hit a home run. Obviously, no one's going after that. No no one wants that old-school sensibility. That one was nonsense even then, and it's nonsense now, right? Nobody's ascribing to that old-school sensibility. But hustling out every single baseball, that's a very old-school sensibility. DJ has talked about that a lot during the course of the 162 games, 2022. Darren Jackson, our analyst here on White Sox Radio Broadcasts, He's talked about that a lot, and I, I mean a lot. Hustle's one, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is one that uh, an old-school sensibility that the White Sox are looking to reinstill, or maybe underline, or bold, or italicize on the document here in 2023. I got one more clip for you about the White Sox managerial position, and it's from Liam Hendricks, and it's, it's something. You're going to want to stay tuned. I mean, it, it's, it made me raise my eyebrows a bit. When I heard Liam say, him in the, Liam say it in the dugout, I think later that day. Uh, we'll get to it after a quick break and after we talk to uh, Jeffrey on the south side. Let's take a quick phone call here, fellas. Uh, on the south side, it's Jeffrey. You're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, man? Hello. Thanks for taking my phone call, guys. You got it, man. Uh, quick question. I don't, you know, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but uh, I've been a big advocate on, you know, uh, let's go to like the Chicago Bears, you know, hiring uh, Tommy Thayer as a uh, as a coach, you know, because so much insight with coaching has got to be knowing the job, you know. Uh, getting getting back to the Sox, uh, has anyone ever thought about uh, Stoney, or has, has he ever shown any interest in leaving the booth and? and getting into the bench area. Jeffrey, I can answer that question definitively. Yes, people have asked him. No, he's not interested. I That, wow. one, that one I know. All right. You All got right. it, man. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you. Here to answer questions best we can. Yeah, I, listen, I, nope. He's good. He's got a great gig, Steve Stone. Just a, just a really cool job and a great partner to work with the whole thing. 
I don't think Steve Stone needs the aggravation. Shoot, I don't know that any baseball analyst really uh, needs the aggravation, the the pressures, the day-to-day, the ins and outs, the being hired essentially to be fired that White Sox manager, that any manager, that any head coach really needs. Good question, Jeffrey. Appreciate you asking it. Uh, glad we can answer it for you. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. When we get back, you're going to hear from Liam Hendricks and his thoughts on that next manager position. I promise you, this one is going to make you raise your eyebrows just a little bit because Liam brought some honesty with it the way he usually does. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 blowtorch of the station. I'm Connor McKnight. Our producers today, Charlie Bevins, Nick Moxala. Got a two-hour show this afternoon. We'll take you all the way up until 4 o'clock. We have been chronicling as best we can this whole uh, Cleveland-Tampa Bay thing, the Guardians and the Rays. Cleveland won the first game, uh, and it it is still scoreless. It's the 12th inning, and these two teams are Deadlocked, 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, obviously, a win puts Cleveland into the next round. A win by the Rays evens up the series. It's a best of three. We're going to talk a little playoffs probably in the last half hour of the show. And one of the things I like most about White Sox Weekly and our mix of uh, yakkers, you know, me and, and those who fill in for me, and, and our producers, is that we've got a really good mix of baseball generation ranges. So I'm 30, doesn't matter. And Nick and Charlie are both actually. Charlie, you're like what? 24? 20, I'm 23. 23. And then Nick, how old? Are, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? 29. 29. So we have this like really cool. So like Justin's, you know, a little bit closer to my age. Um, and then Jake Cantu is like 17. So that's like he's he's on a work release program from high school. So that's nice. We get him for a little while. And then he goes back to like fifth period math when he's not working here at the station. So that's really awesome. But I love that we've got these different baseball generations. And I think like you would you would define a generation, right? As like boomer and then Gen Xer and then I don't remember and then millennial maybe. Millennial, Z millennial, Z and then yeah, thing. it's a Which weird one? gray area. I'm I'm the older millennial. I'm the one who actually got yeah. taught the Dewey Decimal system. Okay, like then- I I remember life pre-internet. And you and I are the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, I come on that cutoff. I'm like a zillennial, right. like from what I, from what like Google says. Baseball generations, I think, though, are about seven, eight years. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a little. Maybe they're ten years, but they're not the length of like the generations. So, <laughs> you know, when you ask me like who is the who is your favorite player growing up, I'm the Ken Griffey Jr. generation. Yeah. Period. End of story. Ken, there was the hat backward, there was the home run derby thing, there was all that kind of... I mean, like, Ken, you could not get cooler than Ken Griffey. And then down the line, hi. And then down the line, you've got, like, Frank Thomas, you know, Sammy Sosa, Bonds, you know, Clement, all that kind of stuff. And yes, all of that tainted by the steroid era, but this was the era I grew up in, right? I'm, we're talking 12, 13. I wasn't, you know, clinging to the Mitchell Report then, right? I, I, I had heard... We weren't there yet. Later, yes. And it's become a big part of baseball. All that said, I find myself in a kind of a tough spot, philosophically speaking, with baseball right now in these days. I like to think of myself as as new school as possible. I am super interested in the next best expected weighted runs created plus. You know, I, I want baseball savant to just I, I want that list. 
I think it comes from having played video games, baseball video games, as often as I did. I was huge in MLB, uh, MVP, the show, MVP Baseball 2005, you know, the one with Manny on the cover, the best baseball game of all time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that MLB was really the good. show was huge when it started. I was in all the offshoots, you know, RBI Baseball, Ryan Sandberg. Like, but in all those video games, you have, and I think this is what speaks to, you know, my generation, maybe the next one too, about baseball. In all those video games, every guy had a number for every skill set. There's an appeal to that, I think, for some of us. Did you ever play the bigs? I don't think I played the, the bigs. Was crazy. Bigs. It was like like you could get in fight. Like you would be oh, oh, a team of bulls. Like it was like the blitz. But yeah, for exactly. baseball. Yeah, it was yes, that equivalent. I did, that one I did was play awesome. that one. I, of course, yes, I did play that one. It was absolutely hysterical. Really enjoyed it. So, uh, what was it? The backyard baseball. The one with uh, Pablo, Pablo Sanchez. Pablo Sanchez. Fast. That one's awesome. Player. Great, great game. Also, he's a pitcher hitter. That kind of thing. All that just to tell you this. I um, I, I, I can't stand twelve teams in the playoffs. I I hate this. I really like, and I've been saying this for a little while. I'll get used to it. I'm watching all of these games. I'm catching up on what I missed. All of those things. I I can't stand this. It just. I'm a regular season first guy. The fact that the Dodgers won 11 billion games is amazing. You know, I, I think that speaks more to anything else. So I'm, I'm really struggling to get back on board with a best of three series and a wild card round with extra teams and stuff. I, it's just not my cup of baseball tea. I, I hope that, you know, it hooks on and gets everybody the way the baseball wants it to. Don't get me wrong. I'm not fighting against this. I don't mean to be the old man like, you know, Grandpa Simpson screaming a cloud. I, I don't want to do that either. And I'm certainly not going to, you know, tell you you can't enjoy something. I, I don't want to be that guy either. Um, but this is a tough one for me. This is a tough fit, this three-game series, this three-seed and six-seed going on. I, I, I'm not wild about it. And oh, that's a terrible pun. And I also don't love the idea of our games 163 going away. I, I think... Those are crazy. They're wild. They're, they're they're insane. And I'm I'm not thrilled that we lost those either, you know, with the tiebreakers being in season or anything like that. I love the balanced schedule that we're going to get next year, the changes that we're going to get on that one. Adore it. Like, can't wait. Overdue. Thank goodness. Uh, but I am still very much getting used to this whole best of three wild card round, six teams on either. You know, I just, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Where I should have been in this segment is playing you sound from Liam Hendricks. And I apologize. I got, like we talked about the, the, the Rays and the Guardians going on here. So after a break, we're going to hear from Liam. He had some pretty um, candid stuff to say about the managerial position and, and how it may or may not change in 2023. You're going to hear that after the break. I'm Connor McCann.